following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. How y'all doing? Come on. How you doing? Come on. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to sleep till 1130. Y'all be on the top side of it. Somebody walked up to me outside and said, you know how Moses makes coffee? He brews it. You get it after a while. I, it took me a while to catch it too. Y'all had some Hebrew coffee? <laughs> I love coffee in the morning. When I come to work, staff knows I drink a half a cup and I'm done for the day. Because if I drink more, I'll be running in circles. Caffeine messes me up, but I love about a half a cup. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't have my, my cup here today, but I have some people that bring me these frappuccinos from time to time. I've got on their frappuccino list. And about once every six weeks, they'll come with one about this big. But the problem is I've got a little granddaughter about this big that just wants the straw in her hand. She loves those frappuccinos. And I told her it would hurt her because she was too young to drink it, but she didn't believe that. She didn't believe that at all. She drinks my frappuccino right out of the refrigerator from me. I hope I have some left when I get through a service today. Are you glad to be in the house of God? June 2nd, 2019, we're in God's house. What a joy. Balcony, you look good up there. Y'all feel good up there? You feel good? Feel good? All right. How about down on the floor? Y'all feel all right? All right. All right. It's a joy to speak to you today. I'm Pastor Rex. I'm senior pastor here. Pastor Brad is next door with the Sunday school kind of talking to the Sunday school department at this session and Pastor Philip. How many of y'all have not met Pastor Philip and, and his wife, Annie, and their three wonderful boys? How many hadn't met them? All right, Philip, Annie, y'all stand up right quick, right there. Stand up. There she is. She's holding a little boy named Houston. And here's Philip. He's the one who led the service. Give him a hand clap. They've been with us. They came. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Annie. They came uh, when Pastor Reed uh, and, and, and his wife, J.C., went out to Snyder. By the way, uh, Reed was in town this week. Uh, their little boy comes to see Dr. Stewart. And they was in town. They had to come by. And, of course, Reed always loved to eat. He loves to eat. Reed loves to eat. He, he's a McDonald. He's a McDonald nut. He loves McDonald's. And uh, he's a sweet nephew, and I love the fire. And they're doing well out there. I just want you to know they're doing well. They really, really are. They're excited about it. The church has more than doubled in like six weeks. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so I asked him, I said, do you think that's Jesus or you? He said, don't go, don't make me go there. Don't make me go there. (laughs) Would you stand? You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. And it's a joy to speak the gospel to you today in the words of the Lord. I will not be long. I promise that. I really do. But we're in a series here called Sand and Stars. And uh, Brad, Pastor Brad started it uh, three weeks ago. I spoke last week. I'm speaking today. And and, and we're going to conclude this on Father's Day. I have a message for fathers on Father's Day about sand and stars. And you'll want to be here on Father's Day. By the way, we men, we ought to show up in mass on Father's Day. We can't let these ladies outdo us, okay? Let's show up in mass. We're going to have some big prizes for you, some great things. And uh, I'm, still, I'm still reflecting over Mother's Day. What a joy that was. I just told my wife and Cassidy, they just knocked it out of the park by choosing these precious women to speak. And I'm still, you can tell I'm still overflowing with it 
because it was flat out good. It was just good. If you miss Mother's Day, go back and go online and find it and say, I want to listen to these ladies talk. God bless. Sand and stars. Turn to somebody and say, I want to help the pastor. And you may be seated. God bless. So we have been talking about sand and stars. This message is spoken at this time for, for a reason. It's the first Sunday of summer. The summer season's upon us. And sometimes summer can drain the energy from us physically. You know that, the heat of the day. And it attack our psyche and our emotions. And when those things are attacked in our life, sometimes we need a little help. So I need you to help me, if you would, today to just stir up and encourage the dreams that the Lord has placed in your life and don't give up on them, as well as the dreams of other people that are sitting around us. In fact, you need to think this. When God created you, he needed something done on earth that nobody else could do. So he designed you to do it better than anyone else. Is that cool or what? See, there's not one fingerprint the same, not one cloud the same. Everybody's different individuals, so nobody can do you like you can do you. I used to be a part of a preaching group of men, and, and we'd go places, and, and we'd, ha- we'd meet at the same place. They'd have us come speak conferences and something, whatever. And there was, there was one guy who was very unique, and everybody tried to do his style. It, you know, they tried, not in the pulpit, but they tried to mimic him. And this, this, this man told us one day, this guy did him right in front of him. He said, I've discovered you can do me better than I can do me. Why don't you just go in there and preach for me? He said, well, I can't preach what you preach, sir. That's reason I'm not going in there. But it's amazing. We can do ourselves better than anybody can do ourselves when we decide to be who we are. Amen? All right, now, Jeremiah says it this way. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. God's got a dream. A prophet to all nations, that's his dream. That's what I had in mind for you. And it came to fruition in Jeremiah's life. Psalm chapter 139, David said, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Watch this now. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Everybody believe God's got some dreams for you, some sand and stars for you. You believe that? Okay, let's get into it. Sand and stars is based on the story of a man named Abraham who was living a God-inspired dream in his heart. Last week, we talked about a brother that died in Ur of the Chaldees, a father that died in Haran, another brother that did not care about the journey named Nahor. And then when they get to the land of promise, Lot leaves him because the flocks, the herdsmen are quarreling with one another. And so Abraham is in this journey by himself now with his wife, Sarah. Here's what I want to declare to you. When you're on a chase for a dream, you're going to lose a lot of companions along the way. Because they're not going to see the dream that you see in your life. But you keep walking. God's got your dream for you. Amen. He's got your dream. See, God promised him in Genesis 17 that he would become the father of many nations. So numerous, be like the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky. Hear me. Abraham is not the only one with a God-assigned dream in his life. Every one of us sitting in this house today have a God-assigned dream. And when you stop seeing what you don't see, you start dying on the inside. You really do. In fact, I'll put it on the screen. If all you see is what you see, then you'll have no ambition You'll have no vision. There'll be nothing to aim at and there's nothing to look forward to. 
And I want to go on and say, the more limited you become in your imagination, the more mundane and mediocre your life is going to be. Have you ever noticed, guys, children, when their imagination is engaged? I've got, I've got eight grandkids now, eight, four boys, four girls, and, and, and five of them are eight years and under. I mean, we got noise in our house on Sunday night. And Patty's cooking for them tonight, and I can't wait. I'm going to fast lunch because Patty's cooking so good tonight. I want to, I want to make sure I get something to eat tonight. I'm going to be first in line because I'm going to be ravenous when the food's served. But they've got, they got a little boy named Windsor, Brad and Cass does. And Windsor is just a, he's a precious kid, a sweet little spirit, but he has an imagination. And he's watched Longhorn football and Longhorn basketball and Longhorn baseball and Longhorn feeding Longhorns and Longhorn walking Longhorns and long, he's Longhorn in his spirit. And what he learned first and foremost about the game of football was how to spike the ball. That's what he wanted to do. Not run for a touchdown, not catch a pass, but spike it. Boom. Yeah. That's what he wanted to do. That's how he acts. That's the way he does. I'm just him, but he, he can really do it. And, and, and he's got an imagination. He also is a, he's a Steph Curry fan. Now, Steph Curry plays for the, for the Golden State Warriors. He wears number 30. And so you'll see Windsor many times in number 30. In fact, I take my grandsons, I try to at least once a year, I try to be a, a decent grandpa every now and then, and I take my grandkids down to see the Spurs play ball, and instead of wearing a Spur jersey, he wears Steph Curry's Golden State Warrior jersey to see the Spurs play. He is sick. The kid's sick. He really is. He has a Nerf, he has a Nerf basketball and a door hoop, and, and his mama lets us play in there. Let's us. You hear that, Us. He loves to play his bow daddy and Nerf basketball. And so, you know, I can dunk on him and I can back him down a little bit. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and then he gets Uncle Jaron to play with him and Jaron can back him down. And, and it's just an amazing, but here's what, here's what he loves. He loves for me to call the play by play as we play. Like, like Bo's backing him down, backing him down, backing him down, turns and dunks on him. Yeah. And he likes, then he says, then I'll say, and Windsor has the ball. He moves left, he moves right, he shoots long, and score, yeah! And folks, he'll slam that basketball, that Nerf ball in the ground and do a, just a, a dance. He just goes crazy. He loses it. He loses it. And so I have to join in that. I lose it. And my, I've, I've told my kids, if you ever post pictures of me, I'm leaving the family and I'm going to Montana. Don't you post pictures of my dances on family night. But one of the joys, one of the joys, one of the joys of our grandkids is one night just on a whim, just on a whim. I decided, I decided that I would just introduce them all like I was introducing them on a stage. I just introduced them. And so I said, kids go over and get in the office. The little ones, the little ones. Caroline was the oldest. She is four. I think at the time now she's five, but she'd go, they went over and got in the thing. What, what's Bo going to do? And I said, Ladies and gentlemen, give your attention to the office area, for in there are five wonderful children. That's why I do it. Now, you don't like it because it's not your kids, but if it's your kids, you'd love it. And I say, hailing from Redmond Lane in Austin, Texas, is a five-year-old beauty, blonde-headed beauty, and she's a brilliant student in school. 
Would you welcome Caroline Tate Wilkinson? She comes out turning cartwheels. <laughs> then I introduce Windsor. Then I introduce Ellery. And I introduce Lennon. And I introduce Finley. And I love it, uh, 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 Lennon because she's last. She's the baby. She was the baby. Now Jennings is the baby. And I say, ladies and gentlemen, she's hell's between, they don't know what that word means, hails. They don't know what that word means. Between Oak Hill and Dripping Springs, out in a place called Leadstone. That's where she lives. She's where she lives. And she brightens the house. And she's a beauty. She looks just like her mother. She's glorious. Would you please welcome Lennon May Davis. She comes out. <laughs> and then it's do it again, Bo. Do it again, Bo. Do it again, Bo. Do it again. Do it again. Folks, I've never lost my voice preaching on Sunday, but I have lost my voice hollering and introducing those kids to the family they thought they'd been introduced to the world. Let me tell you something. Kids live the dream. They really do. And when you're young, you live a dream. But as you grow older, you dream to live. You dream to live. Think about this. When I say older, I'm talking about 14, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Because by then you're familiar with what we call disappointments and the negatives of life. You're familiar with challenges that go along with having a dream and not seeing it come to fruition in your life. And you start to engage in some negative thinking in your life when you get to be teenagers. Like I'm not as pretty as that or I'm not as strong as that or I'm not good enough to do that or I'm not smart enough to get in that college and I can't get a scholarship. So even at a very young age, a teenager starts to encounter that they are no longer living to dream. But if they dream, they're dreaming to live. Everybody say, God, give me a dream so I can live. Amen. Everybody say, we walk by faith and not by sight. So when God gives you a dream and he puts a promise in your heart, it doesn't mean it'll come to pass without some opposition and some delays and some adversities. You'll have challenges in your life. I promise. When God puts a dream in your heart, it will not happen exactly like you think it's going to happen or exactly when you think it's going to happen. And there's going to be times in all of our lives when we lose sight of the dream that God has put in our hearts. And that's what's happened in our text today in Genesis chapter 16. Let's look at it. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Remember that line, the Lord has kept me from having children. She said, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. If you're going to dream, if you're going to be a dreamer, if you're going to have sand and stars in your life, there's three things that you're going to have to have to come through in order to see that dream to fruition. Are you ready to hear it? Number one, there will always be a time when nothing visible is happening. There will be times when nothing visible. Everybody say nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. The first line in the verse, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Abraham had been seeing and talking about these stars and these sand but now we get introduced to just one line of reality in their life. She had borne him no children. And the reality is that nothing visible is happening. And it's that season when we see nothing happening that we become vulnerable to frustration and the discouragement in our life. That's when circumstances can talk you out of your dream and when you start to think it's never going to happen. Like my husband, pastor, is never going to get saved. He's never going to come to God. Yes, he will. 
You just keep praying. He will come to God. My children, pastor, they've walked out of the house. They don't want anything to do with the God I have. But you've trained up that child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart. They will turn around. The prodigal did come to himself. He did come home. There was a fatted calf. There will be a reunion someday in that, in that world. You've got to keep believing that. Pastor, I feel like it's impossible for me to have my own business. I've been praying. I've been asking God for that open door and that opportunity. If I could just get the resources together, if I could just make my dream a reality, I knock on doors and nothing's opening for me. There's always going to be a season if you're a dreamer when nothing visible is happening. There may be some here today, and I kind of think this is kind of funny, that perhaps you dream of developing property. You saw Chip and Joanne show too many times, the fixer-upper thing, and Patty and I have talked about it. Thank God we never agreed on the same thing at the same time. Because there was times she wanted to do it, and I said, baby, I can't fix nothing. There's times I want to do it. She said, baby, I can't fix anything. So we decided we're not going to do the Chip and Joanne thing, okay? We love them. We don't do anything. But some of you have that talent. You have that gifting. I want to fix up homes so when I can rent them out and have extra income for myself. And though you're facing challenges in that process, something seems to be telling you, you know what? This might be right for you. This is right for you. I would, I would go into that. This is a good source of income for you. This is something that fits you, yet no doors are opening. So now the reality is that nothing visible is happening. And here's what I want to tell you, though. We tend to underestimate. What we tend to underestimate is what is happening when nothing seems to be happening. See, there's things that are happening underneath. There's things that are happening ahead of you. There's things that are being shut down behind you because God's got you on a journey. And you're not there yet. You're not to that point yet. But God has a pre-designed and predestined place for you to run into your dream. If you walk the road and you stay on the path, because God will provide that. When we came to Austin back in 1990, we were faced with not many people. A very small building next door that packed full would probably hold about 160 people. With a name that wasn't relevant, not much income. But in a space of five years, we was filling up that little building. I wish we'd have known about multiple services back in that time. Classrooms were packed out. I felt trapped that there was more in me. I had more in me. There was something in me. I was pregnant with something, you know. I was like, I must get there. Has any, have you ever talked to yourself like that? i got to get there. I know God has something for me, and I have to get there. And when we built this structure, we thought we'd be like a BB in a boxcar, but we wasn't. And we've, now we've added so many dimensions onto this building since we built it. And now I'm standing looking at something next door, and I'm looking at something in my heart right here out front. And God is saying, get that back in your spirit, son. You're going to get there just like you got here. You're going to get there. I still believe that there's a revival. In Austin, Texas, that's going to come a part of the being of this church. You hear me when I tell it. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice in that. You're sitting in the seat of somebody that's going to find Jesus one day. You got to get there. When I, I pastored three churches and there were three different anointings on me. Anointing, a different anointing on every church. And I can go in that later and I will. And three dreams, one for each church. But years before I came pastor of this congregation, someone prophesied in that little building next door that this would be a lighthouse of, of Austin. This church would be a lighthouse. And it was hard to imagine that when I walked in and saw the things I saw. But when they told me that, I, I, I grabbed a hold of that. I said, I must get there. I've got to get there. And that spirit touched me. And two years ago, standing in this pulpit one Sunday morning, it hit me again. It just hit me. It hit me like a Mike Tyson punch. 
Only it didn't knock me out. It just made me invigorated. It was like, I must get there again. See, I've dreamed before. Now I'm dreaming again. I've dreamed before and God's fulfilled it. Now I'm dreaming again. And if he did it before, he can do it again. And if he blessed me before, he can bless me again. And if he's brought you here, he can bless you more. If he's brought you out of a world of sin and darkness and a world of, a world of drinking and a world of drugging and a world of illicit immorality, he can set your, your soul in this seat right here. He can take you to another level. If you dreamed of finding Jesus, now you found him. Why don't you open up your heart and say, take me now where you want to go, Lord. I'm ready. I want to do it again. I want to feel that in me again. Somebody help me preach right now. I got to get there. Second thing, got to shine a light on this. There'll be times when you think that God has failed you. Every time you think God has failed you. Now, I don't want that to last long in your spirit. Don't let that feeling last long in your spirit. But there will be times when you think that God don't even know where you live. He don't even know your address. He does not even know what your kids' names are. You're going to feel that. You're going to go through those processes Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. When things don't happen like we want or when we want, it's so easy to blame God. Can I tell you something? Let me remind you something. God knew you in the womb. God called you to be who you're going to be before you were ever knitted in the womb. He wrote chapters on you. Oh my God. He wrote chapters on you because nobody can do you like you. And there is a God that wants to come down on this congregation. Oh, I'm feeling something in this third service. He wants to come down on this congregation. And, and if he could just put lightning bolts on you. I know you go see movies and you see all the, the Avengers, all that stuff. I just wish God would just, just zap you and say, this is what I want in your life. But it don't work that way. But I declare in the name of the Lord that whatever happens in your life, don't ever look up and say, God, I'm blaming you for this not coming to pass. Don't ever do that because God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? I used to have a, Used to have a young man named Don in this church years ago. He was a great athlete, played little ball at Texas, a little wide receiver. He never got on the field, but he played. A good kid. And he came to church, and he was very faithful, and he loved God. He was a spirit-filled boy. And one day he came and asked me, he said, Pastor, could you pray with my, me about my sister? He said, she has Down syndrome. And I've, I've always thought God would heal her. And I said, let's pray, Don. And so we prayed. And he had called home after we prayed. He'd come every Sunday morning. And he'd find me and we'd pray. And for some reason, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions I'll ask God when I get there. But probably when I get there, I already know the answer. So I won't have to ask him. But she didn't get healed. And he walked up to me one day and he said, Pastor, I'm leaving. He said, I love you and I love this church. But God has not answered my prayer. And we did pray a long time and we prayed with faith. And he walked out. I've seen him some. He has walked away from the faith that's in his heart when he was here. But the bottom line is, don't ever walk out. Jesus told Simon, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. There's going to be times when it looks like that you could turn and blame God. But you can't blame God. Because God put you in this predicament anyhow. 
He gave you a dream to pursue. He gave you a dream to chase and you're, you're doing it. You're moving toward it and you're, you're seeing sand and stars. You're seeing a future that's going to be bright for you and understand that God is with you. You know, we had friends in Dallas several years ago that, that could not have a baby and, and it was pretty tough. She had a couple of three or four miscarriages and we prayed every time and it just didn't seem to work and she'd lose those babies. And, and it's hard to understand those kind of things, how a baby cannot go full term and I'm sorry. And many people will say, you know, the Lord's not doing what he's supposed to do in our life. You can feel like the Lord is failing you. We've had people in our churches and our three that we've pastored that have, that have failed in business. You know, their business have gone down. They've lost their homes. They've, they've lost things. They've gone bankrupt in their life. And we know, we know those hopes and dreams were sidelined many times by an unexpected doctor's report. You know, we walk in, you think you're all right, and you walk out. You know, I had an uncle, my wife's uncle, pastored in, 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 uh, in, in a little town out of, out of Houston. And, and, and we loved him very much. And, and one day at a, at a Christmas gathering of the Green family, he said, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, kids. I just want you all to pray for me. I got a little stomach problem and found out he had, he had acute pancreatitis cancer. And, and he lived less than 30 days from the time he announced that he was going to the doctor. We don't understand that kind of stuff. But I want to declare something to you. I want to tell you something. It does not matter if things are not moving in your life. It does not matter if things are not moving. There's going to be a season in your life when you don't understand. When you don't understand what God is doing, but you can't blame God. But you listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me. The, there's a little tree that they plant called the bonsai tree. And for four and a half years, it does nothing. It just stays right here. And in the fifth year, it grows up about six, seven feet tall. It just shoots up. Here's what I'm telling you. God's not going to just let a little pebble fall out of the wall of Jericho on the first March or the second March. He's not going to just barely start crumbling it down. He wants you to walk in the path. And when you get around the seventh time on the seventh day, God's going to let the walls come down in your life. You've got to keep aggressive. You've got to stay focused. You've got to keep moving on the right path and understand. Come on now. God's with me in this dream. He said, the Lord's not giving me children. All of a sudden, life goes up a whole nother level. Because we know God's all powerful. We know God can do anything. But then there's this season. I'm just telling you. When you have a dream, you must watch out for stuff like I'm talking about right now because you might think that God's left you, but he hadn't left you. So what do you do, Pastor, when those, th when those days happen? You keep doing what you know to do that is right in the sight of God. You keep praying every day. You keep praising every day. You keep coming to church every time the doors open. You keep doing the things that you know to do that are right in the sight of God. And God understands that and he will reward your sacrifice. Clap your hands all over the house right now. Let me finish, let me finish, let me finish. And thirdly, when you're a dreamer, there's going to be times, listen carefully to me on this one, there's going to be times when you're going to want to implement your own plan to get what you want. Sarah presents an idea to Abraham. I'm going to assume that Abraham and Sarah were both discouraged. And I don't want to blame this all on Sarah. I'm, I'm going to assume that they've both been walking down this road and now they're discouraged and they're losing sight of the dream that God put within them of sand and stars. But Sarah presented a plan and Abraham has to take responsibility because he acted on it. Let me just say something here right now. Husbands and wives, please don't underestimate the influence y'all have on one another. Let me say that again. Please don't underestimate the influence that wife you have on that husband he never listens to me. Yes, he does. He just waits till he gets outside the house and said, that woman's smart. 
I love when Patty talks to me. Sometimes she's Judge Judy. <laughs> and sometimes she's as pure as the Virgin Mary. She's just sweet as she can be. But I love when Patty speaks into my world because there's times that a pastor needs a wife, a help meet, a help meet. There's times that we men, we big old burly men need somebody to speak into our world. And that little old gentle soft voice says, hey, you're cool. You're the handsomest man in all of America. Now, I hadn't been around the world yet, but in America, I've been there. I hear those Italian men over there pretty nice looking. But isn't it neat to have a wife that will support you and lift you up and be a blessing? And I'm helping you, wives. I'm helping you because I think maybe when I get through today, he'll take you to a nice place to get something to eat today. I'm trying to help you. Amen. Maybe Sonic or Mighty Fine or whatever. But I also think that men ought to compliment their wives. I don't think a wife ought to be browbeat. I don't think a wife ought to be under. I think a wife ought to be walking right beside a man of God. Come on now. God made her a full woman like he made Adam a full man. She stood beside him. Somebody help me preach right now. I think every now and then a woman needs to be cuddled and held close and say, in sweet voice, you are the best thing God ever gave me because he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and I have found a good, oh, I'm preaching right now. Somebody help this pastor. We need to encourage one another. We need to build each other's faith. And so Abraham and Sarah have a problem and it's both of their problems, not just one of their problems. See, I've always believed that negative talk produces friction in the home. But positive to one another makes the home a little heaven on earth. You listen to me. I believe home ought to be a little piece of church. I believe you ought to have church in your home. Not, no, not having testimony service and somebody comes sing a special. Not that. But I think that home, folks, let me tell you something. We have a little heaven in this church on Sunday morning. We're having heaven right now. Do you feel the presence of the Lord in this house? You want me to keep preaching right now, don't you? You want that. Because the heaven of the presence of God's in this house. And our home ought to be an extension of the house of God. You ought to walk in there and feel the peace of God. One of the greatest compliments ever paid to Patty and I was from a prophetic man from West Virginia that came and preached for us years ago and had many, many souls receive the Holy Spirit while he preached. And he walked in and he said, wow, I feel peace in this house. <laughs> well, that's what it's supposed to be. No, he said, I feel peace. He couldn't sleep in hotels because there were too many spirits. I was so glad he could sleep in our house because <laughs> he was a mighty prophet. But what a joy to have peace in your home. Come on, help me preach right now. What a joy to have peace in your home. Build each other up. Speak words of hope. Speak words of faith. What I'm fixing to tell you is a story that has long-lasting implications. But in one day, in one day, these implications started are you connecting with me? And many of you may not know this, but in her frustration, Sarah's frustration, she said to Abraham, how about you sleep with Hagar, my bondwoman, the slave, then I'll be able to have a family. She takes plans away from God and puts them in her own hands. And Hagar gave birth to Abraham's son, whose name was Ishmael. And then 13 years later, Sarah gave birth to Abraham's son, whose name was Isaac. And then all hell broke loose between the two women and between the camps. And Hagar was cast out to a desert place. And it's still hell breaking loose in the Middle East all the time. Because both, both boys claim Abraham as their son. Here's what I want to tell you. 
sometime when you get this thing in your own hands and say, God, I'm going to do it my way. Abraham's mistake started mocking Abraham's miracle. Are you with me? Abraham's mistake, and I'm not against anybody, Abraham's mistake was having a relationship with Hagar. Abraham's promise was having a, a son with his wife, Isaac. I mean, with his wife, Sarah, produced Isaac. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When Ishmael saw Isaac, he laughed and mocked him. And I want to tell you something. There is, there's mistakes that we make in our life because we try to get this thing in our hands and take it out of God's hands. And that mistake, if you don't watch it, will mock the miracle that God wants to give you down the road. Why don't you just open up your heart and keep following God and let God do for you what only he can do for you. Because when he puts a miracle in your hands, it's a God thing. Come on, you can't do what God can do. You can't make it happen like God can make it happen. Come on, clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. When you grow impatient with God's timing in your life, these things can happen to every one of us. I've got to close. This is what can happen when we start to compromise and lower our standards and take shortcuts. When we get to a point, please hear me today, when we settle for option B, C, or D, because A is not happening quick enough, so we settle. We just settle. And when you settle, you die. And you might say, well, sir, that's historical. It's long ago. But I'm telling you, don't underestimate what it'll do to your family tree when you take matters into your own hands and not let God take your life where he wants to take you. You can be here this weekend and you can be in the right place right now and your attitude right now is, you ready? I want a husband and I want him now. And I'm looking over this congregation when they raise their hands, see if they got a wedding band on. I'm going to go meet them after church. <laughs> or a young man saying, who is that hunk of hunk of fox? Who is that? Might be your worst nightmare, big boy. I want a wife yesterday. I'm tired of being alone. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. God didn't plan me to be alone. And now I found this guy. I found this girl and I've got to have him. I've got to have her. I found him. So I lassoed him. I, I, brought him. I brought her in. I reeled her in. And yeah, he's not everything that I really wanted after I got him. <laughs> everything God really planned, but at least I'm not going to be alone. It'll change. Because you can't get ahead of God. God's got somebody for you. And we call them soulmates. But you at least got to like what they look like. <laughs> I'm helping you out, God, okay? But isn't it amazing? Don't settle, don't settle, don't settle. We've got people that are financially strapped in this congregation today. You're, I'm almost done. Randy, if you'll come. They're financially strapped. Let me, let me suggest something to you. Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey's program is phenomenal. Go ahead and clap if you've gone through it. Go ahead and clap. That's good stuff. And, and I want to say that Ted and Lawana Banks are Dave Ramsey disciples, and they are rock stars in this church. They're rock stars. And many, many, many times people, they're in this financial struggle because they don't know how to manage their money. And I'm not preaching on money now. Don't, don't leave me. I'm almost done. 
But you need to go through that program because you say, you know what? I need a new car. But you don't have the money to buy a car. You haven't saved up any money. Yeah, but I'm a right now person. I want a car now. Right now. What do you want? Well, I, you know, I'll take anything from Mercedes. And... <laughs> I got a mother that'll co-sign for me. I want that apartment right there. How much is it? Oh, it's about 2500 a month. How much you got? Well, I make about 1500 a month. Oh, what you going to eat? Well, I, I eat slim. I probably fast a lot of days. <laughs> but I got an uncle who can co-sign for that. I'll pay him off later. And you get yourself in a position where you lose your dream. And you lose your sand and stars. Because you try to do it yourself and not let God do it for you. I've always lived by this little rule. I'm going to give it to you. God's will is God's bill. Where he guides, he provides. Are you with me? Where, you, where he takes you, he will make it work for you. He'll make it work for you. Every, every position I've ever had in ministry, I've taken a decrease in pay to take every position I've ever taken. I never took a church that paid me more than what I was leaving at a position or something. Every time I've taken a decrease because God said, don't worry about what the start is. Worry about where you're going to go because I'm going to be with you. And you got to understand that. You know, saving, saving for about a year to buy you a nice car really would, would, would help you a whole lot. That'd help you a whole lot. Or then you could also get your mother and your uncle to co-sign for you, whatever. So, so you got to be careful. You get yourself in a position that's not God's plan for your life. And yes, you've just got sand. You don't have stars. And the last thing I want in this series on sand and stars is for people to get all wrapped up just trying to make stuff happen because you're all excited. No, 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 no. This is an exciting series. Sand and stars. I got a dream, Pastor. I got a dream. But that dream comes by, you ready? You got to lean into faith. You got to maintain your confidence. And when there's a delay, it doesn't mean you're denied. You got to encourage yourself. You got to keep standing on God's promises. You got to keep sanding stars in front of you and your defeats behind you. And you got to know that God can open doors for you. And you got to understand he can bring right people into your life. He'll always do it because if you walk in sand and stars... He'll provide and he'll give you that dream to come true. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Mark Batterson's one of my favorite authors. I love his illustrations. I read The Circle Maker years ago, and but I, I read him when I'm on when I'm traveling. He he's got something he says, the day you stop dreaming is the day you start dying. And the day you start dreaming is the day you really start living. The day you stop dreaming is the day you'll start dying. And the day you start dreaming is the day you really start living. Everybody say it with me. I'm dreaming to live. I will not die. I will dream a dream. God's gonna let it come to pass. But here's the major problem and I close. The majority of us see the obstacles very few of us see the objectives. And history records the oblivion of the former who see the obstacles, while successes is the reward of the latter who see the objectives. Napoleon saw Italy, but he didn't see the Alps. He had an objective and he knew where he was going. Washington saw the Hessians at Trenton, 
A man of smaller statues would have seen the Delaware River choked with ice. You're never too old for your dream. 60-year-old Paul wrote Philippians. and He talked about having not yet attained what was created for him. God's given you a dream. It's yours. It's, it's not about others. It's yours. Stand to your feet and say in Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. A pastor in Phoenix, Arizona tells a story about a lady in their city. She, she was a woman who they called the bag lady and she died. And everybody thought she was flat broke but when people retrieved her body at her home they found trash cans full of money and cash stuffed under carpets and hidden in many other places. She was worth millions but her treasure remained hidden and unused. Many Christians don't realize the treasure that is hidden in them. If they're not careful, they'll end up like this bag lady. We're not using what she had. I heard a man preach at a conference and I closed today. Years ago, he's a man, he said he had a, he had a dream, he had a vision of heaven. And he went there and he met the Lord. And the Lord started taking him around and he went to a certain place and he saw rooms that had locks on them. He said, what are these? He had names. He said, oh, these are, these are people these are names of the people on earth that I wanted to bless. He said, can I see inside the room? He said, yes. So the Lord opened the room and he looked inside and he saw all kinds of gifts, all shapes and sizes of gifts that he had for people. And he said, why are they still full? And the Lord said, because they never asked for them. They never asked for their gifts. They never asked to be completed in what I had given them at their birth. They never asked for it. I want to tell this congregation today, this is my final statement to you today. When I get to heaven, I want to see my locker room. I want to see it. I want to see the place where the gifts that God had for me were passed out. And when that door opens, I don't want to see one gift on the shelf. I want to have used everything, everything that God had planned in my life I want to leave it, as they say in football, I want to leave it on the field. I want to give it all I've got. Every day of my life, I want to spend myself as a coin. I want to give it to him. And you've got to have that kind of makeup. You've got to say, Lord, this is all or nothing in my life. I love you with everything that's in my heart. And I give myself to you. And when I see my locker room in heaven, I want it to be empty. Because you emptied out to me everything that you had for me from the birth of my life to the end of my life. Come on, clap your hands. Receive the word today. Receive the word today. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for today and your goodness and your love and your mercy and your kindness to us. Oh, God. You have so many sands and stars ahead of us. You have so much, God, that we're reaching for, we're striving for, we're trying to attain. God, let us not get ahead of you and let us not give up on you and let us understand that there's times when nothing's happening but something really is happening that we don't know that's happening. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And God, I bless every person in this congregation today with a blessing from above. May mercy reign on them and may grace walk with them. 
May they know the peace that passes understanding in their life and in their heart. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Now raise your hands with me. We're going to pray together. Raise your hands with me. Say, dear Jesus, I love you today. Welcome to my world. I'm honored to be in yours. Thank you for the word today. Lord, I see sand and stars in my future. And I want to walk in it. I want to share it. I want to bless others. I want to be a blessing as well as being blessed. Thank you because you have me on your radar. You love me. You love this church, but you love me. I'm a part of the church. And I thank you because you have a plan and a future for my life. And we're going to see great things in my life and in others' lives that I worship with. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. And I leave you. I'm three minutes over. I leave you with one last thought. There's an old song used to be sung. It went like this. I'm just an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a... We ain't got no music lovers in this church. I'm going to be a diamond someday. We are. You know, diamonds are the only thing that's not in heaven. You know why? We're his diamonds. That's a pretty good plan. I love you. See you Wednesday night, second series on the ghost. And next Sunday, we're back in church. I love you. Baby dedication, third service. I love you. God bless. Have a good one. <laughs>